So Genesis chapter 7, I'm going to warn you guys a little bit. We're going to read a lot of scripture, okay? You guys, you guys are okay with that? We're going to read parts of Genesis 7. We're going to read most of Genesis chapter 8. We're going to work our way through it, but I really believe God has a message for today in these scriptures. Genesis chapter 7. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, God created them male and female. Just so you know, there's no in-between. There's no opposites. Babies are still made only one way. That's all I'm going to say for today about that. Went in as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark. And it rose high above the earth. Now next week I'm going to give you some evidence for the flood. I'm excited about that. I'm kind of a creation science geek a little bit. But I'm going to give you a little bit of that, not next week, on the 17th. But someone pointed out to me one time, I think it's Tim Hawkins. You guys know who Tim Hawkins is? Someone pointed out that like every nursery across America has pictures of the ark, it seems like. Like all children's ministry have pictures of the ark. And then he says, you all are sick. You all are sick. Because it wasn't, it was, that was judgment. That wasn't like a kid's story. That's like judgment on the earth, right? You see these, these nurseries everywhere all across America with the ark floating on water and Noah's happy and, and, the, and the animals are happy and the, everybody's happy. What it really should be is like people screaming, let me in, let me in. People climbing trees trying to get out of the water, bodies floating in the water. That's the reality, right? That's like we have this idea that the, the flood was this wonderful event that just that was judgment, right? God rained judgment down. Dad joke. Rained judgment down. Come on. Come on. That was a great dad joke. Oh, man. That, I'm, my kids would have laughed at that one. God rained judgment down on them. And sometimes we have this like glorification of it. But the truth is. It was judgment. Why was there only one entrance to this ark? Did you guys pick up on that? There's only one entrance. This ark is as big as a football field and a half. You have 75,000 animals that need to get on this ark. Why one entrance? You think you might have multiple entrances. You got lots of sons. We're going to get these animals on the ark. See, I think God did that on purpose. There's only one entrance. There's only one way to be saved. You can only go through one door. And I want you to know the same is true today. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one door to salvation, and that is Jesus. That's it. There's no other way to be saved. And the world is going to try to tell you, oh, all the faiths are going to lead you to, to heaven. You're, everybody gets to go in the end. There's a lot of even Christian cults that are going to tell you the exact same thing. Don't believe it not for one minute. There's only one way to salvation. Jesus, that's it. One door. That's final. Men, I'm get excited this morning. Oh, man. Hold on. Here we go. Verse 18. And the waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. The waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep, and all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swimming creatures that swam on the earth, and all mankind. 
Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. You know, we're, we're getting close, guys. Getting close to the worst time of the year. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Like, I love Christmas. I love celebrating Jesus. Like, Christmas is wonderful. You get through Christmas. You get through New Year's. And we're going to have three or four months left of winter. And I hate the dark and I hate the cold. Right? Like, I mean... I, I, I understand we're going to go through it. That's what makes everything green around here. That's why we, have, we live in such a beautiful area. But it really is the worst. I would rather have 90 degrees and sunshine and be at the beach. Amen? Amen. But we're going to go through that. It's coming. No matter what, the winter, winter is coming. It would be amazing if it didn't, but it's, winter is going to come. But I found this out early in my life that I don't like winter. There's only ever been one job that I quit without notice and without really a reason to quit. So like every other job, obviously plenty of notice are moving on to something different. One job, I, I just was like, I can't do that. I, when I got back from Bible college, I took a, a job up on Silver Mountain in Kellogg, Idaho. So I go up there for the day. It's my first day. I get all situated and they have me shovel snow. Snow. It's cold. It's cold up there. Then they had me work the, the lift chair, the lift chairs that go up on the mountain. I had boots, I had a coat, I had gloves, I got a hat, and guess what? It's still cold. It's still cold. I found out real quick, I don't like the cold. Like, I just don't like, like, Steve Karst does not like the cold. I would take the heat over the cold any day of the week. So I get home that night, one day of work, called my boss. I said, listen, buddy, I'm sorry. This job is not for me. It's too much. Like I just, it's not the, the job, it's the, the cold. I don't like it. I'm learning something about myself. This is just enough. Like I can't do it. So then I started at McDonald's that week and I was there until I started pastoring. Like I learned something about myself. But the truth is we live in a society where it's easy for people to quit things, don't we? Now, part of that is, is that we have freedom, and I love freedom as much as the next guy. Like, freedom's important. But we live in a society that's easy for people to quit. They just give up. They're done. It's over, right? We, we live in a society where, where, where people leave things, and it's significant. One of the, pan, the, the worst things that hap, the, about our society that's happening is fathers are leaving their families. They're just quitting. They're done. They have a kid. Baby mama is too difficult to deal with, right? Diapers are too expensive. The, the, the kid's crying all night and, and keeps me up at night. I can't party like I used to party. And fathers literally just, they walk out. That's it, we're done. We quit, we quit. We see this in churches. People are attending a, a Bible-believing, God-fearing, want to reach the community church, and they get bored with it. And they quit. They're done. We see this in the church. In 2022, 50 million Americans left their job. 50 million Americans. 
there is only 132 million Americans that work full-time. And 50 million of them left their jobs. We quit as a society. We quit. It has become commonplace to just leave. If we don't like it, if it's too difficult, if, if it doesn't add up, I quit Silver Mountain because it's cold. It's too much. And I quit. That's how we are in our society. But God's expectation is for you to endure. It's for you to endure and not give up, to not quit. Think about the situation Noah's in. Like, we have this glamorous view sometimes of the ark. We do. We we just don't really think about the situation. Again, sometimes we think of the painting on the nursery, not the reality of the situation. Now, imagine for a minute, just imagine for a minute, for some reason, we were all locked in this sanctuary. We're just stuck together, okay? I want you to know I love you guys. I want you to know that I I would rather hang out with you all than anybody else. And I'm sure that we would have fun, we would laugh, we would tell stories, we'd be getting to know each other, and that would be wonderful for an hour, three hours, Six hours? Eight hours. We're going to probably start getting on each other's nerves, aren't we? Right? We would, right? We'd, start, we'd probably start getting on each other's nerves. Right? Then we have to fall asleep that night. We wake up the next day. We're still locked in. And the morning people are up and about. And the people that aren't morning people, that's getting on their nerves. Right? And then what's going to happen after a few, three or four days? We're going to start having body order. order. Odor, right? We're going to start to stink a little bit. It's not going to be a pleasant experience. But Noah was stuck on the ark with the same people for 371 days. And it was his family. Nobody gets on your nerves like your family, right? 371 days, he only had the same people to talk to. He didn't get to go to work every day. Only the same people for 371 days, and there were no showers. Right? It's not, not, not an ideal situation. Think about this. Think about this. It says the ark floated on the water. What happens when you float in the ocean? You sway. Right? Left to right. Back and forth. Over and over again. You sway. And then when a wave comes, you go up. And down, and up, and down, and up, and down for 371 days. I mean, I was on a cruise ship for four days, and I was like, okay, I'm glad to be on land now. I loved it. In 71 days, Noah swayed back and forth. So maybe Noah's like, I'm going to go spend some alone time. Get by myself. You know the ark was like a zoo, right? 75,000 animals. Noah's going to try to take a nap. Birds are chirping. Lions are roaring. Monkeys are doing what monkeys do, swinging everywhere. The elephants are are being loud and stomping their feet. It's constant noise. It's like being surrounded by animals all the time in a zoo because that's kind of what it was like, what it was. All the time for 371 days. 
I know it's kind of dark in here. It's kind of cold. Maybe I'll start a fire because that's a really good idea in a wooden ship, right? Maybe I'll start a fire. Oh, wait. Maybe a little one, but this thing can't get too big because I'm in a wooden ship. Noah was stuck in that situation, swaying back and forth with the same people. No, barely any light, could hardly see for 371 days. That's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. And maybe some of you are in that same spot. Maybe some of you are walking in that dark situation. Maybe some of you are in a spot where it just doesn't feel like you're ever going to get out of it and you're stuck. Did you notice here? Did you notice that Noah never gets told when the, the flood's coming to an end? He never gets told. Doesn't know if it's 10 days, 40 days, six months. He's just floating. Floating. And he's stuck in it. This is the first point I have for you this morning. You have to float by faith. If you're taking notes, write this down. Float by faith. If Noah, when you're on a sailboat, if you're on a sailboat, you get to pick your direction. Right? If Noah had, was building a sailboat and he was traveling or he could travel around. First time he sees a mountaintop, he could get, go to land, get off, do his thing. But God didn't tell him to build a sailboat. He is floating on this water. And how many people have ever just floated? You don't really have control, do you? You're just floating. Noah is completely at the mercy of God of when this thing's coming to an end. He has no control of where this ark is going and where it's going to end up. He just has to trust God. And there are going to be times with your walk with Jesus that you are just going to have to trust God. That you are just going to have to believe you will end up in the right place. There might be some of you that are in a spot right now that are, man, I'm just stuck. It's dark. I don't feel like I'm ever going to get out. And everything is driving me crazy. This is really annoying. And sometimes you just, you're just going to have to float by faith. You're just going to have to believe that God's going to take you where you need to go. Because that's what Noah did. God might not even tell you when it's going to end. He might not have an end date for you. He's not, you just float. You just do your thing. You just endure. Just endure. Believing that I'm going to end this eventually. Let's keep going in chapter 8. We're going to read a bunch of chapter 8. I believe that God's got a message for us out of it. Chapter 8, verse 1. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain on, from the heavens was restrained. And the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And, on the, and the waters continued to abate until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the windows of the ark that, had, that, had made, excuse me, that, had, that he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him 
to see if the water's head subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark. For the waters were still on the face of the whole earth, but he put on his hand and took he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove of the ark. The dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. When he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him any more. So Noah sends out this dove. Now symbolically, what is a dove in Scripture? Holy Spirit, right? Like we see that in other places of Scripture, the Holy Spirit is a dove, right? So Noah's starting to wonder whether he's coming to end. Whether he's going to get off this boat, right? And what does he do? He sends out a dove. Now I think there's a picture that we can that we can grasp here from, from the scriptures that think about this. The ark was God's provision. The ark was grace. The ark was salvation. It was what God told Noah to build so that him and all the, the other the other people could survive, him and his sons, right? So Noah wants to get off this boat at some point in time. He starts to see mountaintops. What does he do? He sends out a dove. Now, symbolically, this is what I'm saying to you. I think before you make a change in your life, you should always consult the Holy Spirit. You should always seek God for an answer. Amen? It's important. Don't make decisions without seeking the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading verse 13. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from, uh, from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. So now he removes his covering. He can see that the ground is dry. And he jumps off, right? Wait, it doesn't say that, does it? So here's this guy, Noah. 371 days swaying back and forth, up and down, with the same people. Animal noises all day and all night. If it's me, I'm jumping off the ship. It's dry ground. I'm getting off of this thing. I got to go, guys. Like, I'm sorry, I love y'all, but I'm jumping ship. But that's not what he does. Watch what he does in verse 15. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife, and your son and your son's wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with, with you of all flesh, birds and animal, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out in his and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast from every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out from, by families from the ark. Every sign points to Noah leaving the ark. It seems like it's time. It seems like it's time to step off the ark and go on to dry ground. But what does Noah wait for? What does he wait for? He waits for the Lord to tell him to. So if you've been with me the last few weeks, right? We talked about how, how God, Noah built. 
built his life around the ark, right? For 220 years, he was a preacher of righteousness, and he built the ark. So God was the center of what he was doing. We talked about hearing the God idea. We talked about obeying the God instructions. And here's Noah. Right at the end, he survived. God has provided a way. He is saved. And what do we find him still doing? Waiting for the word of the Lord. Waiting for God to speak. And that's how we have to live our life. We, we endure difficult seasons. We endure difficult times. That doesn't mean God wants you to stop. That doesn't mean jump ship at the first sign of opportunity. That's not what that means. That means hear from the Lord. Wait for him. Endure the difficult things until God gives you direction. Let me say that again, because if you're going to get one thing from this sermon, this is what I want you to get. Endure the difficult things until God gives you direction. Don't jump ship until he tells you to. You know, I think this is important, and I think this has been important for the church throughout history. But I'm not so sure that it's not as imp more, more important right now in the days that we live in. It, it's vital that we understand this. See, in, in my first sermon, I talked about how Jesus said that as in the days of Noah, it'll be like in the end times, right? Let me read it to you. So as a refresher, Matthew 24 says this. For as, we, as, for as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And I talked to you about how in Genesis 6, that word violence is the Hebrew word Hamas. And for me, that is a gigantic signal. Like, God, like that's not coincidence, right? God's trying to get your attention. Now, understand in Arabic, that's an acronym. But it's not coincidence that the Hebrew word Hamas is violence and used in Genesis 6. And Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, it'll be in the end times. To me, that's just not a coincidence. But if you back it up in Matthew 24, and you go to verse 9, you see something very interesting. It says this. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will go cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Look at your neighbor and say, endure to the end. Endure to the end. The days that we're living in are going to take endurance. We have to have it. We have to make it. We can't jump ship. L listen to what it says. It says that we will betray one another, hate one another, that false prophets will arise. Have you seen some false prophets on TV? Because they're there, right? It says that, it says that the, the love of many will grow cold. You have to watch your heart and guard your heart like never before. We have to endure these times. 
There, there's going to be there's going to be a time of suffering. We are one of the very few countries in the world right now where Christi, Christian persecution is not happening. We talked about this before, but the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. People that experience intense persecution, they're experiencing Matthew 24 right now. Jesus wasn't lying, and they have to endure. And we are going to have to endure. Sherry, if you want to come up. As we enter these times, we are going to have to endure like Noah. There's going to be times in your life, in your walk with Jesus, it won't be your favorite season of life. It could be difficult. There's going to be times that are hard. But sometimes as a society, we've trained ourselves, well, if it's hard, difficult, just like me, Silver Mountain, I'm jumping ship. I'm out. I'll be done with it. We can't do that, church. One, one of the things that was spoken to me recently was, that meant a lot to me is, that, you know, I've always had that. There's always been a prayer inside of me that is, Lord, help me make it. Not heaven or hell. That's not what I'm talking Lord, when persecution comes, when, when things are going to get difficult, people hate you for the name of Christ. Lord, help me to stand firm. We should all be praying that, right? We should all be praying that. Lord, help me to stand firm when my brothers and sisters betray me. When the love of many grow cold. Help me to stand firm. Help me to endure those dark times. Sorry, Sherry. Help me to endure those times. And then recently, Jordan pulled me aside and said, Hey, I don't know why. I just feel like the Lord wants me to tell you. And I won't give you all the words, but he wants me to tell you, you're going to endure that. You're going you're to be fine. Like, it's going to be okay. You have, the, you have the faith to stand firm. And that meant so much to me. And I want to, I'm telling you this morning, if you draw close to the Holy Spirit, if you send out the Holy Spirit to test everything that you're doing, if you are walking in intimacy with him every single day and he's leading you, you have the faith to endure, amen? You can make it, I promise you. He won't let you go. Just like the ark was supernatural, floated on that water, did not sink, God will cause you to endure, amen? prayer team wants to come forward Pete if you want to come forward if you're if you're here this morning Jeffrey you want to or Jordan you want to come forward here thanks if you're here this morning you're, you're questioning Lord I'm in a dark season I'm really really struggling Lord when is this maybe you're here this morning and every day you're waking up Lord when is this going to end when, when, is, when is this going to come to an end? I want you to know you can come forward and pray with these wonderful gentlemen up here. God might not give you that time. He might not tell you tomorrow, I'll finish it. A month from now, I'll finish it. You'll get better in six months. I'm not telling you that because that's, that's what the Holy Spirit takes care of that. But just endure. God's got something wonderful for you. We're gonna talk about that on the 17th. God's got something wonderful for you on the other side. Just endure through it. Amen? Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you that you are a God that did not just say endure and left us. But you are standing right beside us. You walk with us through all these times, Lord.
And I pray, Father, as the, gray, the days grow darker and people are going to betray us and persecute us and the love of many will grow cold, I pray that every person in this room would endure, Lord, that their hearts would stay soft, that they would draw near to you every single 